world-class guests, fascinating stories, inspiring messages. Welcome to Linda's Corner. My name is Linda Bjork, and today we're going to be talking about taking control of our time. I'm delighted to welcome special guest, Kyle Gillette. Kyle is a leadership and business coach who has helped small business owners and leaders around the world to take their businesses from good to great. He is an ICF certified coach, behavioral analysis, and the creator of the Sage Mindset Leadership Framework that helps people gain clarity, build confidence, and generate new clientele. You can reach Kyle at his website, GilletteSolutions.com, and I'll include a link in the description. Welcome, Kyle. I'm so glad that you could join with me today. Hey, Linda, thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to, to share with your audience. I am so excited to be talking about time because this is a resource that is so important. Everyone has 24 hours in the day, but gosh, it never seems like we have enough time. How many times have you heard people say, oh, I don't have enough time, I can't do this, and I, there just aren't enough hours in the day, and all kinds of things like that. So when people come to you with a problem like that, where do you get started on how to help them get control of this thing called time? Yeah, there's a really cool story about uh, a bank account that, that always renews every day with $82,400. And every, every day you get that amount deposited in your account. But what you, but you can't save anything. You can't do anything but either spend it or waste it. That's, that's really the two options because it resets back to zero at the end of the day. And then you get another 82,400 put in there. And most people, what are you going to do with that? We're going to spend it and use it as best as you possibly can, right? Cause you can't save it. It's not possible. Well, it turns out that there's 82,400 seconds in the day. And when you take when you take the time to think about just like you kind of said in the intro, a lot of people are doing too much. We're really busy. We we have such a struggle with time, but there's nothing you can do about it. You can't control it. You can't you can't get rid of it. You can't slow it down. You can't stop it. And I think a lot of people come in wanting to really, really control the actual concept of time. When the only thing they can really control is how they relate to it and what they do with time. And so until people get to that place of understanding that, and there's some biblical principles behind that, uh, it makes it difficult for them to get comfortable with what they have available to them. When you say that thought out loud, doesn't it sound like we think we're in a science fiction movie where it's like, man, if I go talk to Kyle, he is going to show me how to open up this void key. And I am going to get an extra seven hours out of my day. And then when they, they're they surprised when they find out that that's not the way it works? Really? Wow. Okay. Well, let's talk about reality here a little bit. Um, <laughs> I guess we all get 24 hours and we don't get any more. We don't get any less. One of the cool things about time is this beautiful resource. And you mention it in your story with the seconds in a day is that everyone gets the same amount. Yep. This is not one of those situations where the rich get more and the poor get less. We all get exactly the same amount. So if we can't reach in and pull out an extra couple hours and we have to just whew, resign ourselves to that unfortunate truth. So how do we make the most of this? I'm assuming it's going to be about prioritizing and choosing sure. where to let go. So... Yeah, I would say worry and flow, and, and, and with that comes prioritizing. Uh, the, the first thing I want to talk about is flow. Uh, I don't know if people are familiar with the concept, but it's the idea that you're so, you're in this, well, 
the science behind it is there's four different levels of, of competence. And there's the first level is unconscious incompetence or uncompetence, however you want to put it. And it's the idea of you, you don't even know that you don't know how to drive. Like my nine-year-old doesn't know that she doesn't know how to drive. As she gets older, she's going to have this conscious incompetence where she's going to be 14, 15 years old and notice that there's kids around her age that do know how to drive, but she knows that she's not competent at it, but she's aware. And then you become consciously competent at something. And that's, that's where when you first start to drive a vehicle, you're, you know you know how to drive it, you're, you're aware that you're driving it, and you're competent at it. But for you and I, we're unconsciously competent at driving, meaning we're, we're able to drive. We don't even have to think about it, hence why a lot of people text and drive. They just drive, and they're fully competent at it. Well, that's the idea of flow, where you're so able to do the thing, whatever it is, that you lose time. I mean, how many times have you been driving somewhere where all of a sudden you're from A to B and you went, what the heck happened in between? You, you don't you don't know what happened with that arrow in between the A and the B, but you're to your destination. This is what happens when people get in that flow. Sometimes it's a feeling. Sometimes it's, a, it's just this uh, intuitive place. Uh, I liken it to this, this place of being in flow with the Holy Spirit and understanding his guidance, his, his path, and being very clear on, on that path. And so that's the flow. And, and if we can get into that often in the workday, or at least a couple times, then, then that's a great thing. So in this flow and in those four steps, do we want to stay in the consciously competent? Is that what you're suggesting, that we get into that place a couple times a day? We want to get to the unconscious competence because then then you're functioning so well that you're not even you're just doing it without having to think. It's it's the idea that you you can it's like a, a meta approach you could say. So yes, I'll give you a story just to uh, kind of explain it a little bit more. Yesterday I was coaching somebody and he was he was talking about his need to be focused on certain days during the week in this in this window of time and he needed to get into a flow. And he was really struggling with this nine to 12 window. And, and I, so we asked him a bunch of different questions about it. And long story short, as I'm asking these questions, I, I'm just flowing with where he's going, but I was able to, to see the way that I was asking the questions. I didn't have to think about the question. I was thinking about the impact of the question. I was thinking about his response. I was thinking about how our interaction was occurring. So I was, I wasn't, I didn't have to be conscious to the work I was doing. I was outside of that work, if that makes sense. You're, you're mm-hmm. so in the flow of it that you're able to look at it from the outside looking in while you're doing it. That makes Ooh, sense. So layers. That's yes. what I assumed you wanted to go. And then when you gave the example of the texting while driving and going from A to B and not realizing how you got there, I thought, ooh, this sounds dangerous. Maybe he's saying something that we need to be more aware of what's going on. But it is that idea that we want to be so um, comfortable and so competent in, in what it is that we're doing that it flows naturally. That's that's yes. the place that we're going. Okay, good. Because I thought that's where we were going to go. And then I got a little confused. So sorry about that. Okay, yeah. so still everyone who's listening, please don't text while driving. That's not a good idea. And it is a good idea to look up every once in a while and realize where you are between point A and point B. Okay, so, whew, now that we're on the same page again, sorry about that. Okay, so we need to get into this flow and into this good place. So let's say right now I am 
unconsciously incompetent. I I don't even have a clue that I don't even have a clue. So how yeah. do I get from there to where I want to be? So I've got my day, my time, everything is overwhelming. I feel like there's so much to do and no time to do it. And I feel like I'm a mess. How do I mold that into a flow where it's like, hey, today is a beautiful day and I've got plenty of time. I have, you know, I can do all the things that I need to do today and everything is going to be great. And I'm not worried about a thing because guess what? Tomorrow I can finish the things that maybe I didn't complete today. And that peace that comes from knowing that, you know, we really do have enough time. Yeah, you. we need a guide is, is, is what really helps. And sometimes that guide can be a person and sometimes that guide can be yourself. Uh, but if it's yourself, you have to develop a system, you have to develop a process to be your own guide. And I serve as a guide to my clients because what that means is I can be the Yoda, if you will. I can look at their situation from the outside looking in and be able to help them see what they're unaware of the struggle that they're dealing with or unaware of how they're really not maintaining their priorities very well or they're focusing too much on one thing or the other. So a guide is super helpful. Someone that can step in and, and be blunt about what's working and what's not working for that individual. So they need to be very observant and be given access to you so that they can observe you. And that's why a coach is so powerful for that reason. But if this, this isn't something that people want to do, the other piece is, is documenting what you do and how you do it. I can't tell you how many businesses that I've worked with that their main issue is they don't document the process. They don't document their systems. And because of that, they get some sort of a result. They don't know how they got it. Or they get a really good result, but they still don't know how they got it. Or they fail and they still don't know how they failed because there's not a tracking and documentation of what works and what doesn't work. And this fits for the individual as well. So if you dial in a system of monitoring your own behavior, then you know where you're excelling at and where you're not excelling at, which allows you to take much more control of your time. And I teach a lot of people something I call a MOLO. It's really simple. It's just five questions. And I, the way to use it is you use it weekly. At the end of the week, you do a review of, of your week and you ask yourself five questions. And they have the same um, kind of cadence to them, which is, what should I start doing? What should I stop doing? What should I do more of? What should I do less of? And what should I keep doing? And you pick a topic to focus on and ask those five questions. So uh, two weeks ago, I focused on the topic of my kids. And I was going, okay, what should I do more of with my kids, less of, et cetera, on through that list? And it is really helpful to, to highlight where you're not doing well where you are doing well and what you need to drop and what you need to keep. And this, this is where you start to take control of your time, but you have to ask yourself the right questions or have someone else ask you the right questions to guide you in your process to the right priorities and to taking control of that time. Wow. Thank you, Master Yoda. So we all need to be Padawans and kind of follow the force a little bit and be able to move in that direction. And I love that as you're talking about, you chose the topic of your kids and including them, because I think sometimes as we work on business and we focus on that and get those blinders on and think about, yeah. oh, I need to get my business successful and think, you know, hey, in just a quick 40 years or so, then I'll worry about my family. Well, guess what? Kids don't stay kids for a quick 40 years or so. So that is beautiful. And as we're talking about time, time is such a precious resource. And especially as we're talking about kids 
and being able to have those moments with them as they're growing up. Because money, if we lose money, we can, we can earn it back again. But time, once the time is gone, it's gone. And there's absolutely nothing we can do about it. So those yep. are fabulous questions. I love them. Yeah. So is this related to the sage mindset at all? Is this a, a connection to that that you yeah, totally. have created? Okay. Yeah, the mo- Molo is part of the growth mindset within Sage. So for, for listeners, Sage is a framework that I created um, about three, a little over three and a half years ago now. And uh, it stands for four things, self-awareness, accountability, growth, and empowerment. And it's the idea that all great leaders have those four things in, in their um, foundation of leadership, in their approach to leadership. I call it a leadership house is, is really the way I describe it where self-awareness is the foundation to your leadership house. The more self-awareness you have, the larger framework, the larger building you can put on top of your leadership. Uh, when you when you get to growth, it's the windows, or excuse me, it's the, the walls and the roof of your leadership. So this is the actual building of your leadership. The empowerment is the windows and doors. And the idea with the windows and doors is that people that are underneath your leadership roof can see see out of your leadership and walk out of your leadership because they're ready, they're empowered to go. But also people can look into your leadership and walk into your leadership and be influenced by you because they're inspired to be under your leadership because you're doing such a great job or you can be such a great mentor to them. That's empowerment. And I did it in the wrong order. I do it on purpose. But accountability is the nails that holds everything together in your leadership house. If you don't have accountability, I don't care how good a foundation you have. I don't care how fast you're growing and how well you empower others. If you lose integrity, if you lose accountability, the whole leadership structure is going to crumble. And that's a very painful experience for all involved. And we've seen this on the news. We've seen this all the time where there are some fantastic leaders out there and they have all those other attributes, but accountability crashes down the leadership and it crushes people. So that's really the, those self-awareness is the foundation. Accountability is what really nails everything together and keeps things sturdy so that when the when the big bad wolf comes to blow your leadership house down you can withstand the pressures of all those things that come your way including the time pressure that everybody experiences uh the busyness pressure those types of things wow i love that i love that you not only have it put together with that acronym but also a visual to help tie it together and how beautiful that accountability is the nails that hold it together because that is so appropriate. We struggle right now in our society with a lack of accountability. Instead, what people want to find is someone else to blame. It's Mm -hmm. like, let's, let's nail this on somebody else without realizing that the nails of accountability go in our own house. And some people think also, you know, if I blame someone else, then that means, you know, people will like me. And a lot of times what it really is, is when people hold themselves accountable, that brings more respect where you look at them and say, oh, okay, I can trust you. So those are, that's, that's deep. That's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And I love as you're talking about that self-awareness and that connects back to your earlier analogy of being unconsciously incompetent, if we become self-aware, then we can no longer fit in that category of being unconsciously incompetent. Yep. We have to become aware of our incompetence and accept those nails and then replace them 
if we need to and and put that back together so that's that's amazing thank you yeah, thank you master Yoda. a lot of the work that i'm doing with people when it comes to either the time management or the systems it really it all boils down to really three things it's mindsets habits and systems if you if you shrink it all down and you, if you really want to categorize it into some things these are the areas that leaders and businesses struggle what are the mindsets of the business you know the culture that type of stuff what are the habits of the business and the people within it the leader of it and then what are their systems this is the documentation of all that when these three things are in sync and everybody is very aware of those three things businesses succeed and it is instant i have several several different stories i could share but where where this happens the mindset shifts the habits shift system goes in place and it generates hundreds of thousands of dollars it's incredible what it can do you just have to put the work in to get there and that's what I call remodeling. Because if you think about it, we can all, the growth mindset is, is the third piece of that formula or of that framework. And there's people's homes that are, lately, a lot of people have been remodeling their homes. You can knock down a wall or take off a section of the roof and make your house larger. Those types of things are happening. The same thing happens in leadership. And there's these moments and these opportunities where we can blow the, le blow the roof off of our leadership. And we remodel things, we adjust the walls, we move things around because we're learning so much about ourselves and about others and empowering people and giving people opportunities and growing in incredible ways. Therefore, our leadership house also grows. The number of people we influence also grows. The number of people that observe what's happening also grows. And it's, it's amazing, but it's all tied to mindsets, habits, and systems. Without that, and you could go on with metaphors of electricity and all these other things that go into this leadership house, but... That's ultimately, those are the three things that make all the difference in the world for businesses and, and the leaders of them. And when you talk about that change being instant and you had some stories, and I wouldn't mind hearing one of those, but when you were first explaining that these are the three things, my mind was thinking, oh, mindset is kind of a hard thing to change. Sometimes people get yep. set in their ways. So I would imagine that the, the results would be instant once you have those three right. things in alignment. But I imagine getting those things into alignment is not going to be an instant process unless you're working with magical human beings who are willing to say, oh, I'm doing this wrong? Okay, well, let's fix it. Usually people are like, I'm not doing it wrong. You know, that just natural pushback that goes in there. And it's like, no, no, no. Can, can I just like blame somebody or do another Facebook yep. ad or something? I mean, you know, isn't there an easier way? What do you mean? I have to change. I don't like that. Yeah, don't, yeah talk to talk to spouses. <laughs> you know, and then, you know exactly what's going on. Talk to spouses or or uh, you know direct reports, and and we'll know exactly what's going on with that. I I had a I had a uh, house designer. Kind of ironic that we're talking about leadership house, but anyway, he he's literally a house designer, fantastic award winning guy at this. And he, he doesn't have an architecture license, but he consistently wins the local reward for being the top architect out, out here, even though he doesn't have a license. So three years in a row now, he's, he's won it. And, and it's been, it's really amazing. He does great work. And I was coaching him. It was our second session, right? Yeah, second session. And he was, we were talking about this, this uh, $4.5 million home that he was designing. And he had this certain fee that he was going to charge them for it. And he was feeling a little bit hesitant about how high the fee was. And he had his doubts about his role as 
as a designer, even though he was an architect. So his mindset was off track because he knows he's fully capable. He's received these awards. He's been paid well in the, in the work that he's done. But he still had this mindset of, I'm not an architect, so I can't charge the fees of an architect. So we had a conversation around this, and I asked him questions about, well, what are their fee percentages, blah, blah, blah. So he told me. And I said, what can you do? And he thought about it for a little bit. And then he decided to up his percentage and up his fees. Well, what that did for that one project was it took it from $60,000 to $130,000 fee. And he decided to do it. He had the conversation, and he won the project. The thing that happened there was this instant growth mindset he blew the roof off what's possible in his in his mind as a leader in his mind as a business but also moving forward he's going to maintain that mindset so now his business is forever changed because he switched one little mindset about his self-doubt about who he is and what he's capable of as a business owner as a home designer compared to this other group of people that are also really good at it and that shift clicked into place everything that he needed to make a ton of money on that one project and going forward as well. And that that's the beauty of, of the growth mindset. That's the beauty of self-awareness and locking these things in. And then, of course, in order to maintain it, he has to stay accountable to the promise that he made to himself about what he's going to start charging going forward. Uh, and, and this also empowered his business in incredible ways because he hired another person because his new fees have changed the way that he's working and the amount of income he earns so he can bring a new person in which grows his business which also provides someone else a very good income which is beautiful one mindset shift created all this change and will design ultimately design a beautiful home for this family and provides a living for one more person under his leadership it's just it's incredible how much can happen with a little tiny shift like that i love it and i love how it pays forward too and it didn't in any way damage or harm any person along any nope. step of the way. It was a win and a win. I mean, here you have this award-winning, competent, capable creator who is now being compensated for that and yep. being able to help. And like you said, hiring someone else and creating more income and creating a job. That's a really big deal to be able to create a good job. Yes. That's lovely. That's lovely. I've asked my dad in the past, so he's a he's an orange farmer in uh, California, and I've had asked him a bunch of different questions about what he does, how he does it, those types of things. And I did some work with him growing up, uh, but move, ultimately moved away from that uh, work or that career. And so, but he's an entrepreneur. He started the business when I was basically newborn, and has bootstrapped it all the way up to where it is now. And I asked him questions about what he's most proud of and those types of things, and the. the thing that jumped out to me was he's employed really hundreds of people and some people uh, for for decades. And what that's done is that's allowed those families to send their kids to college. It's allowed those families to have stability. It's That is such a beautiful legacy, which is kind of the last piece of the leadership house is you get to leave a legacy. Uh, when you're, if you, if you build a beautiful leadership house, Ultimately, it leaves a legacy. We all know this about great leaders. We all know this about wonderful homes. It's a legacy that lasts for generations. And it's the same thing in leadership. When, when you do a great job as a leader, you leave a legacy that, that matters for generations of, of other people that are influenced by what you do and how you do it. But you have to focus on those four things, self-awareness, accountability, growth, and empowerment, 
within the framework of the mindsets, habits, and systems. If you do that, you can leave a legacy that is incredible. It takes work and it takes time. <laughs> um, but when you do it, when you focus in those ways, it, you're basically guaranteed to leave a legacy that matters. And th that for me, that's the heart, that's the mission behind everything that I'm doing with my clients. That is beautiful. Master Yoda, thank you. <laughs> so as, as we're talking, I love that you brought it back to time because that's where we started. And we're talking in the middle about the, the how-to and the how to structure it and how to put that. But I think bringing back the element and that aspect of time is very important to remember, oh yeah, that's what we've been talking about with all these things is, is this is how to structure the time. This is how to make us be productive rather than just busy. I think a lot of times people yeah. feel satisfied with busyness or it, it gives maybe even a feeling of, of, of self-importance that if I'm busy from morning till night, then that means that I am an important person yep. and our busyness can be not productive at all. And I think when you really get it right, there should be time to do the things that are important to you and that matter and that make you happy. And then it creates a, a, a good person house as well as your, your, your business house. Yeah. Well, you said, you said busy and I love how busyness and business is one letter different. And if you take the why out of busyness and you figure out what your why is, then it becomes business. And I know that's a little corny, but figure out what your why is, what's your mission, what's your purpose, and the busyness will fade significantly. Uh, but we have to remove that why and look at it and go, why am I doing this? What is the purpose behind my business, behind my leadership? What is the legacy I want to leave? Otherwise, it will, we will remain busy and it will be busyness instead of business. And it won't matter too much. If we're just busy 40 hours a week or 80 hours, whatever people claim they work, it, what, what are we doing? What is it ultimately doing besides creating stress, worry, frustration and irritating everybody else that you're around because you're too busy to do real business. Business is amazing. I mean, if you really, if you think about what business has done for this world and to, I mean, there's, there's inventors that have created all these things, but business has allowed people to fly. Business has allowed computers to exist. Business, et cetera, et cetera, has done so many amazing things. And if those people were so busy instead of doing business, we, we wouldn't be where we are. And business is such a beautiful and honorable thing when it's used the right way and not busy way. <laughs> and what a huge distinction that is. And how marvelous to remember about the shoulders that we're standing on and, and those examples of people who have done business and made the world a better place. And I think that that is magical. And the making the world a better place, um, I used to think that that meant you had to influence every single person on the planet for that to count. But I am changing my mind that mm. changing the world can also mean changing my world, changing the world of, of one person or a small group that does change things. And then a ripple effect can come out. Even like the example you gave of the, the architect who isn't an architect, but he is an architect, that um, creating a new job for someone, that just changed the right. world for that person. Right. And like you said, that makes it so that you can, like your dad, send people to college and you can do things. So all of these things, are, our efforts can change the world, but they're in smaller in smaller steps right. than you know starting a world war, which does change the world, but not in a good way. <laughs> well, yeah, and... 
and you first have to change your world before you can really change anybody else's world, which is again, that mindset habits and systems thing and, and fundamentally self-awareness. But I want to, I want to jump back and, and share a quick story with you about you know, making a difference for the one, making a difference for the one situation, the one person. You may know the story or may, maybe you don't, but there's, there's a story of this old man that's, that's has a house on the beach and he's sitting on his, on his deck looking out at the ocean. And there's hardly anybody on the beach, but he notices this little, little boy on the beach. Uh, every once in a while, the boy bends down, picks something up and throws it in the ocean, takes a few steps, bends down, uh, picks it up, throws it in the ocean. And the, the old man's like, what the heck is going on? And, and he can't help himself, so he gets, gets out of his comfortable chair, climbs off of the deck, goes down and walks down to the beach. And as he's getting closer, he keeps seeing this little boy pick up this thing and throw something into the ocean. And he finally gets close enough to notice that it's actually starfish that the boy is picking up. And he walks up to him and says, what are you doing? And, and the boy tells him he's you know trying to help these starfish. And he says, you know, that's not going to make any difference. And the boy's quiet for a little bit, walks a couple more steps, picks up another starfish, tosses it in the ocean and he looks at the old man and he says i made a difference for that one and that that i think is exactly what how we need to think when it comes to leadership those that one little moment that conversation you take control of that conversation and i don't mean of what's being said in it but you take control of how you handle yourself in that conversation and you can make a difference for that person for that employee that you're leading for that uh, client that you're working with that prospect you can make a difference in that moment in incredible ways. But if you if we don't recognize that picking up starfish and tossing it in the ocean, even though there's a thousand of them on the beach, if we don't recognize that that one actually is making a difference, it's going to be difficult for us to focus in when we're having that conversation, focus in when we're putting the work on some, into something. Uh, and I believe that that's a very, it's, it's hard to do that. But when you stay present and, and alert to the people you're interacting with, it's a lot easier to make that difference one interaction at a time. And doesn't that do beautiful things for even our interaction and our relationship? Because if we're talking and I feel like you value me, even though I'm an individual, I'm only one person. I'm not a million people. I'm not the whole world. I'm one person. But how that makes me feel when I feel valued and yep. as an employee or as just anyone that we're interacting with, I think that makes a huge difference. Yeah, it makes me think of, of energy or the butterfly effect, the idea that if, if Linda, you and I were, were walking past each other on the street and I scowled at you, that's going to affect your day. Or because you, you smile naturally while you talk and while you listen, which is a wonderful thing. People should learn from you, Linda, to do that. <laughs> I wish I did it more. I, I try to smile more when I talk, but I don't do it as well as I could. I'm a little bit more serious than I probably should be. But just that simple smile can shift someone's day. And this again, it sounds a little corny, but this is the difference you can make in your business as you interact with people. Because I can't tell you how many people I've worked with that their employees enjoy their job because their leader is happy. Their leader appreciates them. Their leader honors them by having a conversation with them for one minute or two minutes every once in a while and smiling and asking them about their day. That changes the loyalty. That changes how well that employee is going to perform, which to flip us right back to time again, is going to help your business be far more efficient and effective <laughs> overall because your employees are far more engaged just because you smiled or just because you engaged more purposefully 
with them. So I know from the beginning we're talking we're talking about time and you know what are the strategies and we haven't really shared too much on strategies, but ultimately this is a strategy. Put a smile on your face like Linda does and like I try to, and I guarantee that will make a difference for the people that work for you and anybody that you bump into. And it's corny, but it's true. (laughs) I love that that's such a win-win situation. And it's actually something that's quite free. And, And I can smile even while I'm listening. That's like multitasking, right? And I can smile while, you know, doing something and it's, it's not, it's not a hard change. It might be a a bit of a, an adjustment, but it's not really that hard once you get the hang of it. Yeah. Um, can I share some, some time strategies with your audience to to help a little bit to get kind of nitty gritty there? Um, obviously the Molo is something that is very helpful and just to clarify why it's called a Molo is two of those questions are what should I do more of? What should I do less of? So that's why it's called a Molo. And I highly recommend that you do it weekly, not daily, weekly. And when you do it, do ask those five questions, but pick a specific topic that you want to think about. And I I said, kids, what did I do this Saturday? What was the topic? Uh, I think it was marketing. I think I was uh, promotion, I think was the word. The topic was promotion. So I asked those five questions about my business for promotion. And then I answered those questions. The other thing is that I document it in one long, it's actually in a to-do list, but I document it in one long to-do list so I can look back at the progress I've made. And that's really helpful for the growth mindset. That's really helpful for the self-awareness and accountability. It kind of brings it all together because you have it in one location to allow you to, to reflect on it to see what progress has been made and to be encouraged by the progress. So wherever you do this, either a notebook, a to-do list, whatever, do it, do it that way. And the other thing is answer the question with, with no more than two actions. Because what happens is it's five questions. And if you come up with more than two actions, you're, you're looking at 15, 20 actions, which is just unrealistic and will create more stress in your time. But it also has this built-in stop doing and do less of, which is helpful. So automatically, by the time you're done doing this, you're going to net, you're going to net at least zero, if not net gain on it. Because what I mean by that is you say, I'm going to do more of this, but I'm going to do less of this. I'm going to start doing this, but I'm going to stop doing this. So you're choosing way better behaviors and mindsets with the start and, and more of and eliminating the bad habits and the bad mindsets with the less of and, and stop. And then of course, the keep is the reinforcement of what is working well. So that's one great way to. Uh, strategize how you manage your time uh, to get into the the nitty gritty. Something I learned from working with a coach. She asked me a question about um, slowing down. I said I really want to work on slowing down today. And so we started having a conversation around this. And long story short, I, I realized that the best way to slow down is in the transitions. And what that means, I, I call it the magic of transitions. When you and I are done with this conversation, Linda, you're going you're gonna to hit stop. We'll probably chat briefly, and then you're going to move on with your life. I'm going to move on with my life. Very likely, I'm going to walk out the door that's behind me and go pet my dog. That's typically what I do after I'm done having a, a longer meeting so I can refresh myself. But that's a transition. I'm transitioning from my desk and out of, out of my office and into wherever I'm going to walk to. In those moments, we can do three different – we can do one of three things. We can pick up our phone or distract ourselves with something. 
And that's going to create a problem because, well, we can do that. We can distract ourselves. The second thing we can do, or another option, is we can reflect. I can think about what were the questions Linda asked me? How did I answer them? What insights did I get? What insights could she have received from it? How did the listeners respond to it? I can ask myself a couple questions about my interaction on this podcast or my, my interaction with whatever I last did or whatever the listener is last doing. Third way is to just shut up. <laughs> and and listen, as you walk away, as you transition from A to B, from whatever you're doing to the next thing, just be quiet for a moment and listen. Don't talk. Don't pick anything up. Don't think about anything. Just be as quiet as you can and listen to what God has, has to say to you, what the universe has to say to you, whatever you need to say to yourself. But listen, and that will help you recover so much time in your day. Because it forces us to slow down just a little bit. And you don't have to do this in every single transition. I mean, every time we walk somewhere, we're in a transition. That's a great way to think about it. If you're walking somewhere, that can be a magical moment for you to be quiet or to reflect and not distract. Uh, and we, we experience those moments shoot, 150 times a day. That's so a lot if of you transitions. Maybe 10% of them or even 5% of them and seven or eight of them where you're actually quiet or reflective, it will fundamentally shift the way you view your day and the way that you're viewing how you're leveraging the time of your day. That is beautiful. So now I have a question. Where does petting the dog fit into those three things? Uh, it is definitely a reflective thing for me. Okay. Yeah, because it gives me, because uh, I have a task to do. So don't, and it's simple. I'm walking to go pet show. And as I'm walking, I'm not thinking about anything else because my task is so straightforward that I can just reflect on what happened prior. If I'm, if I'm jumping to a new task, like emails or a phone call or some other something else, then I have to engage my brain in that, in that moment when it's so much better to give ourselves time to transition to this bigger thing or this new task because we don't switch like this multitasking is a lie it doesn't exist it's not a real thing true it yes. takes i've read that it takes 20 minutes for our minds to, to connect from one thing disconnect from it and then reconnect to a new thing or connect to a new thing and so that's why these transitions are so important to use them appropriately and take your dang phone out of your pocket don't put it in your pocket. <laughs> don't carry it on your person. Set it aside. If you misplace it for a little bit, the world's not going to end. Just don't put it in your pocket, especially the men out there. Don't put it in your dang pocket. Put it somewhere else. You know, put it in your work bag. Put it, put it anywhere but your pocket because this is so, it's so easy to get distracted by it. That is so true. And we have so many distractions available. And I loved your, your idea about, about stopping and that transition. And I talked to someone else who said that every time he says, I, to make sure that I stay um, productive and not busy and working from home, that can be challenging. He yeah. says, I, I set a timer and at one hour I stop and I dance around the room and then I come back and then I'm ready to re-engage. So I think in addition to the, the, just the transition, it also gives our minds break. Very, mm -hmm. very valuable advice. Master Yoda, you have been amazing today, and I appreciate your time. Yeah, you're welcome. In closing, I'd like to share a quote by William Penn. He said, time is what we want most, but what we use worst. Today, I invite you to use your time well. See you next time on Linda's Corner.